1: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park.
2: Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the latest edition of the Royal Blue Podcast. Uh, Everton season has got underway and it's got off to a, a bit of a drab start, if we're, if we're honest, with a nil-nil draw away to Crystal Palace. Uh, my name is Adam Jones and I'm joined by Dave Prentice, Chris Beasley and Gavin Buckland. As we discuss that Palace game and maybe take a little bit of a look ahead over what's to come for Everton, so we'll start with you, Dave. Uh Nil-nil away to Crystal Palace, good result?
3: <laughs> no, not not really. I mean, okay, we didn't lose. It was a, it was a point at a place which can be a bit tricky to get results, but they had significant personnel missing, but so did we. And that, that was the issue. I think that just reinforced entirely the problems that we've had in the transfer market this summer. Uh, the players that we've brought in to address the problems that we have, which is goal scoring and you know, creating chances at the top end. Those players weren't available because they were acquired so late in the transfer window. So we didn't see Alex Iwobi at all. Uh, we only seen Mo- Moise Keane for the last like 10 or 15 minutes, barely touched the ball. And... Um, and I think Markham Seba probably missed the trick as well, you know, in his desire to see one of the new faces bringing uh, Gabam in on. Um... He didn't really look, you know, so sort of up to speed yet fitness-wise. And Tom Davis looked, you know, sort of a much better option when he came on for the last 10 minutes. So it was a bit frustrating. You know, chances were created early on. Sigurdsson, you normally you'd stick your mortgage on him putting a chance like that away. You know, maybe it came a bit too early in the game. It's a bit of a lame excuse, to be honest. So all in all, I was a little bit disappointed. I, I thought, you know, there was three points there for the taking. And looking at the fixture list that we've got at the start of the season, there's a lot of what you would call winnable games early doors and you can't afford to be dropping a couple of points that are available to you. And
0: yeah, I would say it's two points dropped rather Mm. than one gained.
2: Was frustration the feeling for you as well, Gav?
0: Uh, from my uh, harbourside bar in Portugal, maybe not, but uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, uh, it was quite pleasurable to be fair, you know. But, uh, uh, yeah, I, I share Plano's uh, concerns that it, it reflected the sort of chaotic sort of pre-season in terms of transf You know, people arriving late for uh, pre-season and you know getting people in late. It just re- reflected all that little bit of. Um, you know, preparation that wasn't wasn't right, not just for Evan for other clubs, obviously. Um my, my point I think I'd I'll judge that um result on Saturday if we beat Watford on at the weekend. If we had four points from two games, I would have taken out of the first two games of the season. If we don't get a get a win against Watford and we have not won our first two, it's a slightly different result, I think, at Palace. Um and it showed up all our our weaknesses of last season. Very similar game wasn't it first forty five minutes of last season's game at Salis Park, plenty of possession, looking reasonably solid, but not being able to find a breakthrough in the in the in the final third. Um, and it was it was it was interesting about Sigurdsson, It was a player I thought it was very disappointing. And I think we spoke on the last pod last week about, you know, we've taken for granted for two years that Sigurdsson's going to be one of the first names on the on the team sheet. Uh, but bear in mind the players that Silver's brought in and that performance on Saturday, then maybe you know that's not the case uh, this season, which is probably a good thing. Mm. And that's that's what I reflect from from Saturday.
2: Mm. It's interesting that Gavin, Dave have both mentioned there about uh, the new signings coming in late, and that's you know it's affected Everton's performance in this first game of the season. Bees, do you think that's something that they're going to be able to quickly get over, or do you think this is something that you know might take you another couple of weeks?
1: I think, unfortunately, it, it might do. Um, I, I think that they, the the business they did was um, generally very positive, but yet again, like um, like two years ago, when they didn't get a centre forward, once the dust has settled, that not getting the centre back is a glaring omission, really, and to be stuck on the last day of the season going in for Rojo again was was a bit disheartening. But the ones they have brought in uh, look like decent buys, but it will take them. Yeah, a few weeks to get up to speed. To speed sorry, I think um, Gababin, however we want to say it, however he wants to say it, is <laughs> He's got a few variations himself. He admitted. JP? It, yeah. yeah, Admitted himself, you know, it's going to take him time. I think it's not just the, the sharpness. There's the various factors, the integration with the new teammates. They've all come from um, different parts of Europe, coming from the Bundesliga or Keen from Serie A. You know, it's going to take adaptation both on and off the pitch, different type of football. So, yeah, I think, unfortunately, it's going to take a, a few weeks at least for these these sort of players to bed in.
2: Mm. And then staying on the topic of J, JP, of course, <laughs> uh, he came on for a bit of an impromptu debut. Uh, injury through Andre Gomez meant that just before half-time, JP was brought on. Uh, and then, obviously, Morgan Schneidlin picked up uh, a second yellow card and got sent off later in the game. We're going yeah. to have to see Gabamin. Yeah. very quickly, aren't we? He's going to have to adapt as like as quickly as he possibly can.
3: It looks that way, doesn't it? Because uh, Gomez, we don't know the results of the scan yet. I mean, it looked like it was a bang on the uh, the ankle or the shin. So often that's better than you know sort of muscular injury. So you know, hopefully it's nothing too bad. Because it was weird, Gomez. I mean, Silva said afterwards that him going off is what changed the control of the game, and I, I, I get that even though I thought he wasn't having by any stretch of the imagination his best game. You know, he, he wasn't the uh, the Andre Gomez that we know he can be. But he did, even whilst playing within himself, exert a level of influence that enabled Everton to control the game. I think in hindsight, you know, Silver would accept that he made a, a wrong move. You know, so bring in uh, JP on because... Tom Davis just looked brighter. He looked all together. you know, he was fitter, or sharper, you know, so then it was only the last 10 or 15 minutes. But, you know, he looked like a more effective option at that time. Schneidlin, it's a tough one that we were talking about it before we went on yeah, and yeah, It's a double edged sword. I've got a little bit of sympathy for the lad in this. It was, John Moss is a poor referee, and it was never a foul the first one that you was shown a yellow card for, but he wasn't booked for the foul. He was booked for the insane descent. You know, okay, you desperately want to win, you want to make an impression, but, you know, to drum the turf in anguish the way he did was so theatrical and so unnecessary. And you've got to be a footballer of his age and his experience needs to be a little bit more disciplined than that. And then... When you are carrying a yellow card, don't be trying to nick the ball the way he did later on. So it was a harsh decision to dismiss him the way they did. And as Gavin will mention now, about, you know, the way Crystal Palace, you know, his game plan panned out. Yeah. Um, but equally, he's got to be a little bit more mature and a little bit more disciplined than that. But you weren't happy with Palace, were you going? No,
0: no. I just thought that there was numerous tactical fouls when we maybe when we won the ball, even in the edge of our area. And, and I'm, I'm looking to break from deep. And Palace constantly... You know, chopped our players down. Uh, there's one near the end, I think it was Anzac Townsend, which was, I think wasn't even booked. It was quite an obvious booking, you know. Um, and that, that really annoyed me in the context of the, the Schneiderlin, um, um red cards. I mean, the other thing as well about uh, JP O'Gabama, though, is it was quite obvious Davis was the substitute there, isn't yeah. it? Because for the simple reason that we're playing Palace who sit deep. You've then, you've got to be playing them with two defensive midfielders on the pitch one of them was just making his, his debut. You, 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 have, you have to bring Davis on for that reason alone, regardless of whether Gabamon's got like three games experience or ten years experience. For the shape of the team to, to sit well at, at Palace, you've got to bring Davis on. And I, I was baffled by that. Uh, albeit maybe Marco wanted to, to see him get a bit of game time perhaps, but that, that really baffled me. And that's, we just showed no threat. I think there was a statistic this morning, there was no shots on time in the last 30 minutes, was there, by either team on On Saturday, and I think that was one of the con- contributory factors. Um And he, he's got a bit of stick, hasn't he? Um the, I'll call him the new lad for now. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Yeah. but you can't judge anybody from you know. He, he's probably brought on as a surprise. Probably his mindset wasn't right in terms of thinking he'll get on for you know forty-five minutes or whatever. And you can't judge him from you know his, whether he's a good sign or from half an hour to forty-five minutes of
2: Palace. Mm. And I mean. You know, an injury to Gomez, suspension for Schneidlin, looking up ahead into the next game. But ironically, this has come in a position where Everton are actually quite well stocked now, aren't they? So, uh, do you think Marco Silva's got lucky in some respects?
1: It, it was looking strange, wasn't it? How he, you know, he's already brought in three central midfielders this summer, and he was after another one <laughs> in, the, in the last uh, week of the window, supposedly. Um, yeah, there's a, a, at least, like you say, that there, there are options in there, they're different ways. It's, it, at home to Watford, you want you want to be on the front foot, and you know perhaps again you go do you go for Davis? But yeah, there, there are various options there. So I suppose I mean it could have been much worse. I mean you dread to think what happened if they lost one of the centre backs. I mean they re- really would have been in trouble there. But um, yeah, so it's an area where there are various options in there. So he's got, he's got a week a week to think about it. I think.
2: Mm. I mean it was another it was another game with, without a goal. Uh, I think it was well documented throughout preseason that everyone was struggling to score. Uh, I think they only scored three goals all pre-season. Two of them came from defenders. One came from a player who eventually left the club and joined uh, Wigan. Uh, Preno, are you concerned at all about Everton's plumpness well, in attack?
3: T- t- it's not really concerned. That's like over-egging it a little bit because towards the end of last season, our goals record was good. You know, we were, we were creating chances. We were scoring goals and, you know, we've... We've not lost anybody from that end of the picture. You know, Garner Gay is obviously you know, the 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 big departure. And we have brought people in that can address, you know, the creativity, the you know, the goal scoring issue in Keane and Iwobi. The issue is that neither of them are, are match first. I mean Iwobi only started training on Monday. So, you know, I'd be surprised if we see him starting the game mm-hmm. at the weekend. I know Silver was being very Cautious about you know how he approached that one. We'll see how he is in training first, but you know he's going to have to be you know hit the ground flying to her to be starting, given the fact he's only just started you know effectively season training on Monday. So again, it underlines you know the problems that you know happen in bringing players in late um, in the summer. We had exactly the same problem last season where we only saw the best of Gomez and the best of Bernard. Uh, we never really saw Yerimina at all uh, until you know sort of yeah. late late in the season. And so it, yeah, it's it's an issue we have got a relatively you know kind fixture list you know Watford at home you know you should be looking to win games like that even though we didn't last season <laughs> um, and then Villa away worries me a little bit you know they look great for uh, you know half, half a game against Spurs but you hope that the promoted teams when you play them you know they've you played them two or three games in, so they've had like a little bit of steam mm. to run out of. So no, there are, there are answers to all the issues that you know we can see there, but it's going to take a little bit of time. We've got to be patient, and Emerson fans, as we know, are blessed with patience in <laughs> the best of times.
0: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.
2: At the other end of the pitch, though, it's a bit of a different story, isn't it? Everton are looking quite organised, quite compact, quite solid. You know, uh, Michael Keane and Yerry Mina seem to be... uh Building up quite a nice little partnership with well, each other the, at the back. It's the think? whole
0: system, which has just carried on from last year, is, is That's is that knocking about at the moment. Is only City kept more clean sheets uh, than us this calendar anything, year? Yeah. This, this, That's why we have happy here, yeah. I know. That's that the only reason you have <laughs> here. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's not just, I think, Silver's obviously, including Pickford, has, has worked on the system off defence since like the early start of the year when it was all about, you know, uh zona marking and stuff. So in that context, it's not surprised that we look really comfortable on Saturday Abbey against the Palace team with players missing so her on the yeah. bench. He, and Hodgson ain't gonna like sort of go for go for it, is he? He's not that type of manager. There'll be far bigger challenges uh for them. I'm picking up on Plenos Pete he's uh then now no because we have got a reasonably kind fixture list, it does give them maybe a bit of time at the back to, to bed in a little bit more, knowing that they maybe not put under pressure as much as what they will be against the, shall we say, bigger teams. Mm. And I, I thought we looked excellent. Um Got caught out a little bit when the, um was it Gabamon lost the ball? And we were a bit yeah. too square, weren't we? I don't think we picked up players yeah. right. But yeah, I thought we looked, uh, looked fine defensively. And to be fair, Jordan, who didn't really have much to do. he had two saves in the space of what? Five yeah. minutes and, and both of them, he did well a bit, a bit of poor finishing, I think, for the, the second one. But I was I was really well pleased. It's not the it's not the defence as such that worries me, it's that numbers of people we've got mm. at the back that worry me, certainly in the in the sense of defence going oh, forward. Oh no, it
3: takes one injury, doesn't it? It's yeah,
0: like that. yeah, as you said Dan, yeah. Yeah. Mm. Well it takes
2: I mean, it surely must have been a big confidence booster for Yeri Mina, especially, you know, missed a lot of last season through injury, you know, he's played every like every preseason game that he was available for. Like he's obviously wanted to come into this season running. And, uh, you know, he's helped kept, keep a reasonable clean sheet there. You know, he's going to be an important player for Everton at least up until January, isn't
1: he? I think definitely. I mean, with, with Kurt Zuma coming in just before the deadline last year, I sort of took the pressure off for, for Mina to, to hit the ground running. And that was good, really, because after he had that injury, which... Um, Held him back till the autumn, really. But you've got to hope that almost shades of Michael Keane, twelve months on, he had a real rocky up and down time in that difficult first season. It was difficult for everyone at Everton that season um, with the with Cumin going, and then um, Sam Allardyce um, coming in. Um, so he was like a, a, a new player um, at the start of last season, and really came on leaps and bounds over the the, uh, the last twelve months. So you've got to hope that something similar happens with. Yerimina because I mean, he obviously comes with a big reputation, albeit a very short spell, but came from Barcelona, his heroics for Colombia in the World Cup last summer, which sort of carried on to a certain extent, did well for them in Copper America this summer. So you've got to hope, in, I mean, he needs to from Evan's point of view, but he, but yeah, he, he can build up a, a good relationship with, with Michael Key now and just get that run of games, because that was a big thing last season, was just getting... That consistency for him, obviously Kurt Zuma was there and it was Zuma and Keane who were mostly the incumbent pair playing week in, week out. Now, really, it is only them two or you're sort of looking to Mason, Holgate or one of the youngsters, so... Yeah, the, the, the hopes are high that um, Mina can. This really, after you know, it, it'd be difficult for him coming from Spain, totally different type of football coming into the Premier League that he can kick on this season. Mm. Did you watch uh, United Chelsea I on Sunday <laughs> afternoon?
3: I mean, Zuma just looked unrecognisable, and yeah. it reminded <laughs> me of the Julian Lescott, you know, saga, you know, when he was being tapped up mercilessly by Man City, and David Moyes played him on the opening day against Arsenal, and I wouldn't say. He had as bad a game as Zuma had at the weekend, but we got beat 6 1 by Arsenal. Yeah, you know, yeah. So he didn't cover himself in glory. But yeah, Zuma looked like a player whose whose head was elsewhere. Yeah. You know, he, he made uncharacteristic errors, you know, gave a penalty away, gave a bad awful pass away early on, was booked, you know, and I think, wow, this this is the player that, you know, was like our best defender last season. So mentality mentality, such a big thing in football. And, you know, mm. clearly his head was elsewhere.
2: Mm, but on the other side of things, mean has got... A fantastic mentality, it seems, doesn't it? He's just desperate to get enough games. And I suppose the big thing, like the big overriding question that everyone's still going to have is can he stay fit?
0: Well, yeah. yeah, And he's only 24. 24, yeah. relatively young. Can he stay fit? He's going to have to stay fit, isn't he, really? (laughs) Um, Because all alternatives there are are, are few and far between uh, as such. But no, I I was told to really... Plus, with us defensively on on Saturday, do you think that bugged me a little bit watching the game? And I watched it again. Is Bernard, some of his decision making, you know, on occasions. Mm. There was once in the first half where he got to the byline, plan, and he, he had like three or four attempts. He should have crossed it early, but yeah, remember, yeah. he did like a sort of Peter beagley type sort of twist inside and out, you know. And by, by the time we'd done that, Palace got players back in the second half. Again, he went to dribble and he should have played Dini the, in on the inside channel and I think it's good that we've got options in that area of the pitch as well because I, I thought he overplayed a little bit on, on Saturday. Uh I'll like trying just, to create the perfect chance. Yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I think he should be another one who's, who's placed under pressure um, I think. And, and, and I think we've got some good options up, up top um, this season.
2: I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned Bernard because, you know, he's finished last season so strongly. You know, he was involved for the majority of pre-season. You'd expect him to be hitting the ground running, really, wouldn't you?
3: Yeah, I don't think it was fitness or a sharpness issue. I think, as Gav says, it was probably was just decision-making. Maybe yeah. it was trying too hard to actually put it on a plate for somebody yeah, rather yeah. than just like pinging a ball in. You know, as soon as you Make the opening in fact if somebody was telling something on Twitter the other day and it was a, it was a Bob Latchford thing and uh, Angel Cake Photos does those uh, nostalgia yeah, yeah, yeah. things and it was a Bob Latchford five minute you know, uh, video retro thing so oh, I was in the elements <laughs> but, but, but you noticed uh, just uh, Ronnie Goodless was one again at Home to Stoke and, yeah. uh, and Davey Thomas just a chink of an opening and a cross yeah. that's it get the cross in as quick as you can and that's what we were looking for really from Bernard at the weekend yeah you
0: know, See that opening, get a ball in, don't, yeah. don't overplay it. He was guilty, yeah, he was guilty of overplaying it, I think, a little bit on, mm. on Saturday. Um so and, how did we get nineteen seventies football into this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Despite <laughs> my best efforts. efforts you know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But no, I think I think that was just a, a man of criticism. I think I think oh, we, we let left down a little bit by service, Remy. I mean if you've got Gababin and Snyder and as your midfielders in the second half, yeah. you're not exactly going to be fed, you know, was mm. forwards, you're not going to be fed a lot of quality from deep high, really, because mm. that's not that's, that's what they're on the pitch for. If Tom had been on the last 45 minutes, it could have been an ideal game for Tom. Mm. That, think- that's a bit of space to run into. Got Schneider now, but if they're only 35 minutes behind him, that could have been a real ideal game for him to influence the game and get confidence for the season.
2: Mm. I mean, the, it's it seems like there's almost questions in almost every sing- single like position on the pitch like especially even now when you look up front uh, you've got Moyes Keane and Dominic Calvert-Lewin battling it out for a place you know it was obviously Dom who was given the nod against Palace but you know do, do you think we might see a little bit of a switch up do you think it might be Moise in for the Watford game
1: Possibly I I, th- I think long term you've got to imagine getting Keane out of Juventus he's going to to think that He's got a decent fist to be in the first choice centre forward at Everton on on a long term basis. Whether that's Watford was still very much early days. I don't know. I I'm probably inclined to say he, he might even go with Calvert Lewin again. But I think that over the season, as as the weeks go on, that Keane you know would would be expecting to be um, getting quite a few chances in there. I think that, no, they're not going to pro cast iron promises to him, but. They'll have said that you know, come on, you be our main man up front this, this season. If they've got a player like that out of Juventus, and I, I mean, I spoke to a Juventus fan when when we actually did the piece when he was on the verge of signing, and they they weren't happy at all about him going said it's uh, very much short-term thinking from Juventus, which they're, they're not always guilty. Obviously, a lot of Italian clubs are like this, but because Ronaldo is at a certain age now, they're that hell bent on trying to win the Champions League like mm. now this season. So they sort of um, um, taking this controversial decision to let King go. So, so if he's going to with him coming to Everton, he, he's going to expect to be the main man up front, but. In these early stages, it, it might just be that he has to wait a, a, a few more weeks. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would imagine that Marco might go with with Dom again this weekend, but I think in the long term, Keane would be the, the first
0: option. Yeah. If he
3: does go with Dominic, yeah. I just hope you know he gets a very positive crowd reaction because I know uh, Hodgson said afterwards, you know, he was really pleased with how well the crowd got behind Wilfried Zaha, the Spices, you know, summer machinations and what have you um, and you know clearly it worked he was bright when he came on you know he nearly created you know a goal for them Calvert Lewin, what you will always get from him is absolute, you know, energy, efforts, hundred percent commitment. And it, whilst you know the thing that lets him down, obviously, is his finishing. And he never had any great chances at the weekend. There was the header, which was, it wasn't a great opportunity, but you know, maybe an absolute, you know, sort of top class striker might have done a little bit better with this. But I just hope if he does start, you know, he does get a positive crowd reaction. You know, they get behind him, you know, because he is, you know, allowed with a lot of promise still. Mm. But yeah. He, he's almost certainly going to be the, the backup option to Moyes Keane, you know, yeah. as the season progresses. Unless yeah. Keane can't settle as quickly as we hope he's going yeah. to. We
1: don't know, do we? Yeah. It's a bit of an imponderable at the yeah. moment. I mean, I mean, I don't know if this has any sort of bearing in it at all, but um, obviously he's been given that number nine shirt, which mm. is the yeah, yeah. most coveted jersey at Everton, and for a long time, you know, that iconic list of center yeah. forwards. It's become a bit of a poison chalice, unfortunately, mm. in recent seasons. I mean... Kone wore it. Sandro Ramirez mm. wore it. So we yeah. we can hope that we have to hope that Dominic Calvert-Lewin is more of a throwback to those earlier number nine. Dominic Lukaku
3: didn't want it. Yeah,
1: yeah. Preferred, you know, sort of other shirt numbers, didn't he? It was a when 10 when he
2: was yeah. number yeah. ten,
1: yeah.
2: So. I mean, I, I wrote a piece earlier this week about, you know, I think it slipped under the radar almost, you know, with all the last knockings of the transfer window. Like, it's kind of slipped under the radar a little bit that Calvert-Lewin picked up that famous number nine shirt. Yeah. And I think... You know, the, the, almost the natural reaction sometimes is to try and, you know, compare him to, you know, these famous number nines of the past. You know, your Deans, your Lawtons, your Latchfords, you know. But in my opinion, that's massively unfair on, no. on a 23-year-old lad who is only just, like, finding his feet in the Premier League as a striker. I think he was probably given this number nine shirt to try and be a bit more of a confidence boost to him. You know, a show of trust from Silva that, you know, even though we're spending big money on yeah. bringing this exciting prospect in, you're still... You're still crucial to my plans.
3: Yeah, it could, could be a bit of psychology from Silver there. I mean, it, it's a brave move by uh, Calvert-Lewin to accept this because, like I say, you know, other players in the past, you know, ha- haven't wanted it because of the pressure it, it brings. Um, you know, that is, you know, so unfortunate. Really, it's just the nature of the nature of this. Um, but you know, he's got this. It's a show of faith. He's got to try and um, make the best of it. Unfortunately,
2: mm. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a brave move from him, but it's the kind of move that you want to see him sort of make, isn't it? Really, yeah.
1: Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong at all with um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin's um, confidence. I've met him on a few occasions. And lo- lovely lad, but not just an, a nice guy. He's got a real driven streak with him. And when you do see him, you see that that's steeliness in his eyes also, that that confidence in his, his own ability. He he feels he's come a, a long way in a, in a relatively short space of time and that his, his game has improved considerably since he's been... At Everton, he doesn't need us to tell. Now we we know what the 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 issue is. If you're leading the line for Everton on a regular basis, you've got to be scoring pretty regularly, and he needs to improve that goal input. He doesn't need us to to tell him that. He he knows that himself. He's has become very polished in other areas of his game and, and to think that, you know, Koeman started him with him at wing back, I think mm. in, in his first yeah. game, but um yeah, whether he, he, he makes it or not, it certainly won't be felt for lack of trying or a problem with his attitude because, you know, they're, they're two elements of his game that are absolutely spot on. Mm.
2: And at the end of the day, you'd hope that, you know, additions to the forward line over the transfer window, they're only going to help Calvert-Lewin at the end of the day, aren't they?
1: Yeah. Um, obviously it was a, a well-documented about the, the, the whole Zahar business and there was a lot of excitement. Was he going to come? And then in retrospect, I mean, it's kind of what the Echo were telling people all along. <laughs> there was only one bid put in uh, over that window. But, you know, with a with, uh, uh, wall coming in as, as well now, I mean, and like uh, the, the players they've already got there um, in those um, creative positions, it, it hopefully the supply line, you know, will be there, whether it's Carvert-Lewin, whether it's Keane, whoever it is. That those attacking midfielders, and obviously Gilfie's there as well, are going to hopefully provide whoever is playing centre-forward with a, a decent amount of, of chances over the coming months.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, and then another thing that I think maybe slipped onto the radar a little bit is the decision of over club captain as well. Seamus yeah. Coleman being made uh, the new club captain. Uh, right decision? Was it a surprise
1: at all? Yeah, the, the, the only um, thing I would say is... That, um, well, first of all, I mean, it was obviously the, the obvious decision. He's the on-pitch leader. He's the, he's the senior player now. If, if we know, if we're going to discount Leighton Baines, is very much the understudy now to to Luca Dean, and um, the longest-serving player at the club. Um, captains his, his country, so he's the natural choice, definitely. And Silva hasn't really wanted to rock the boat in that respect. I mean, he, he raised a few eyebrows when he gave t- um, Tom the the armband on a few occasions last year, but that was never. That was always when one of the senior pros was out. Um, but he's he's always gone with seniority in that respect. The other thing that I would say is that long-term, Coleman has obviously got a real challenge on his hands this season to be, to remain first choice right back. Uh, you bring in somebody who's part of a World Cup winning squad like Jibreel Sadibi. Again, like with Keane coming from Juventus, he he's going to fancy his chances for getting that shirt before the season's out and having a good run. So it may be... That you almost get a repeat of the the Yelka situation where your actual club captain isn't always playing, but it was you know it was the it was the natural um, decision to to give him the the armband. I mean, he was doing it most of the time anyway with with Yelka hardly playing last season. So yeah, it was, a, it, it was the it was the right decision. It's just that the the onus now is on Sheamus to keep up those performances mm. and keep his place in the side otherwise. The armband will be passed <laughs> on again. It's a bit of a
2: strange situation, really. the Everton captaincy since Marco Silva's come in, hasn't it? Like it's been, you know, very fluid. You know, as you've mentioned, you know, Tom yeah. Davis has picked it up, Gilfie Sigton picked it up a couple of times last season. You know, we had Leighton, Phil, and uh, Sheamus all picking up the cl- captaincy as well. Do you think this is maybe a look ahead into the future now? Like this is this is how it's going to be for most teams?
1: Um, I suppose it depends from, from from club to club which characters you've got in there or whatever. I mean. Are, I really like um, Gilfie Sigurdsson as a player and a pro, but I don't know just how, how vocal he is when, when um, he, he's got um, the arm by one of those maybe he leads by example. She, Sheamus is the most natural captain when he's playing, but like I said, the, the issue is whether he continues playing. He's obviously he's in there at the moment, but Sadibi would be hoping to get the chance at, um, in the future. Um, I suppose there's a, there's a shout for somebody... Like Michael Keane, I mm-hmm. mean, he, he, he plays every week. Hopefully he continues to play every week. Or even somebody, I tell you, who, be, who certainly makes his feelings known, but it's a different issue, is Jordan Pickford. Yeah. Because do you give the captaincy to a goalkeeper? Some people think it's wasted on, on a goalkeeper because he's almost too, too detached from the, 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 mm-hmm. a lot of the rest of the players. But certainly one of those players who would um, let his feelings um be known. So yeah, I think there there the are um candidates in there but Sheamus was the natural one uh this time. Might be interesting that 12 months down the line might be having this conversation all over again.
2: Well, I think it's interesting you know we we can mention so many players. I think it's important to have as many leaders on the pitch as possible. And I think Michael Keane, you know, something that we have seen over, you know, the last 12 months, we've obviously seen his form improving as well. But perhaps you know having to take the mantle up almost from Phil Jagielka as being like the main man at centre back, yeah. it's maybe forced him into learning these leadership qualities a lot quicker than he might have uh, in any other sort of circumstances.
1: Definitely, I think you can see that in the way that Michael's played since he came to the club. We mentioned earlier today that you know he came in that really traumatic season seventeen eighteen where he wasn't the only one who came in and struggled. Um, but then he, he really came on leaps and bounds um, last season. And he's 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 a he's really a um, top character, really, on and off the pitch, um, model professional. So definitely, if you could give him that, that might bring a bit more out of his game and um, um, imp- improve him further. You've also got people like um, Fabian Delph, who doesn't need the armband to be that vocal. I mean, it was well documented. I think Phil had said before the, the summer that, Everton were actively looking for those sort of characters in the transfer market. There's there's some of those kind of vocal characters for the dressing room. And everyone who saw that Manchester City documentary, I mean, it's been shown a lot, that footage of Delph having his say in in the City dressing room there with Guardiola and the the rest of the squad. So it doesn't all have to be on the man who's actually got the armband. But yeah, definitely... Yeah, I think of uh, get more out of Michael Keane uh, as a leader. I think it's it's, it's only natural, really, in, in the years ahead. He's sort of at that age now, where, you know, mid, mid, mid to late 20s, when he's becoming a, a senior pro w- within the group, and uh, you'd like to see more of that from him. Mm. Oh, it's
2: interesting that you mentioned Delph there. Like, yeah. he, he, I completely yeah. forgot about him almost, you know. He, yeah. He's picked up an injury at yeah. absolutely the worst time, hasn't he? Because, you know... You'd imagine now if he he might have even started against Crystal Palace anyway if he'd have stayed fit. But you'd imagine now he'd be a surefire starter for Watford. I mean, of course, like yeah. we're still waiting on updates to see whether yeah. he will be fit for that Watford yeah. game or not. But you know, he's got he's got to be battling really, hasn't yeah.
1: he? He would be chomping at the bit, Money because not only is he at a new club, wanting to make an impression come, coming in at Everton. That, His situation at at, at City, I I don't think he started a game, possibly, is it, after December and he got Mm. sent off or something. And it was mentioned to him when he came to his club. He said, don't remind me. (laughs) You know, he says, obviously, getting a player to leave the the treble winners, Manchester City, it's got to be an incentive for him again. And it's going to be Everton offering him that game time. He'll be wanting to play regularly in the Premier League. I mean, why else are you going to leave Manchester City unless you're frustrated that you're not getting enough game time? And... Uh, he, he'll be want to be one of those first teams in the team sheet at, uh, ever, and I don't quite know where he is with his fitness. But if he if he's uh, if he is available come Watford on Saturday, definitely he'll be wanting to make that that home debut, um, at Goodison Park, and show those fans as soon as possible just just what he's all about. Because for all the big money that's been spent over the summer, uh, you know, a, a real canny buy. I mean, even. Um, talk to you know the most vociferous um, Liverpool fans within this office, and when they heard Fabian Delph was going to to Everton, was like, whoa, that, you know that's a good bit of business in mm. that. That you know, he's not necessarily one of those players who who stands out, and is, for want of a better word, you know, s- sexy football, the sort mm. of marquee signing in that kind of respect. But you know, somebody who knows the game inside out is a winner, and has um, certainly proven himself in in this division and can offer a lot for Everton.
2: Mm. Well, fingers crossed he can find his way to full fitness soon and hopefully for that Watford game this weekend. We'll be back with another Royal Blue Podcast uh, looking ahead to that Watford game a little bit later in the week when we've heard from Marco Silva in his pre-match press conference as well. Uh, Thanks to Chris, Gav and Preno for uh, taking part in this uh, episode of the Royal Blue Podcast. Don't forget, you can rate and review us on uh, Acast, iTunes, Spotify, whatever your podcast platform is. And don't forget, you can join in on our Facebook group as well, for uh, all the discussion around the Royal Blue podcast. But yeah, thanks for listening. The
0: Royal Blue podcast from the Liverpool Echo.